0: We have been in the book of Romans for 13 weeks. This is our 13th week. We have been uh, treating this journey as uh, coming to the table to receive the appetizers that precede a wonderful meal the way that the lord laid upon my heart to go through romans because there's no way it would take us we could go if we went through line by line the entire book it would take us at least a couple of years and i don't know that we would get to all of it then but the lord laid on my heart that there's so such richness in this letter to the church at rome that we would look at it and gather glean from it just tiny morsels, appetizers, to taste and see that the Lord is good and to draw from out of the pages of this book uh, the, some of the good things so that you would have a desire as a people to go back in later and dig a little deeper and see a little more. There's so many things. In fact, the, the primary theme of the book of Romans, this, this might be an amazing issue to you to understand, the primary theme of the book of Romans I never touched on one time. In the entire process of teaching in Romans, we only taught on some of the um, peripheral issues that are within this book, and the primary themes of this book we did not even get to. Isn't that wonderful? There's that much more. Um, so let me just share with you uh, why we've done this. I've given this, these points to you almost every week, but... The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome because the church was well-grounded and clearly mature. It's, I, I really believe it's the only book in the New Testament in which the letter was not written or the, the book was not written specifically to give some kind of instruction or correction to the church. But it was written to admonish them and strengthen them because he was impressed with their maturity. And uh, uh, the church was strong, uh, was clearly full of strong leaders. The entire last chapter, which we will not even get into, Romans chapter 16, is the entire chapter is given to greeting uh, the leaders of that church. And then, uh, so we won't, we won't even get a chance to look at that, but they were uh, strong pillars. But the, the reason that I was so attracted to uh, this book was because the Apostle Paul said, I want to come so bad, and I want to, uh, to visit with you so much, I want to impart a spiritual gift, some spiritual gift to you, I want to strengthen you. What he was saying to them is, I really got to get there and see what God's doing in church in Rome. He was so excited because he saw that God was doing good things in them. This church was made up of both Jewish and non-Jewish believers, uh, laborers, and and uh, um, <clears throat> wealthy, and it, it was multicultural, multi-ethnic, and multi-economic in its environment. It was the most diverse church. And it was just an awesome environment to grow up and know God in. And so we've gone through this just to kind of taste and see that the Lord is good and dig out the sweet things of the Lord that we could find in there. And today is just such a day. So I want you to turn to Romans chapter 13. And I want to talk to you about... The, the breakdown of this chapter, and then we 'll just pull a few things out of uh, perhaps fourteen and fifteen and then and then we will conclude our efforts in the book of Romans and I will challenge you to go home and in your personal time, spend time in this book. Romans chapter thirteen is uh, broken up into three primary uh, tra- uh, schools of thought or issues. the first one is in in uh, the first seven verses, and we're not even going to get too far into this this morning, but he talks about uh, the issue of submission to authority. There's three things in this chapter that he he presses upon. First is submission to authority. The second is relationship, love your neighbor, relationship between people. And then he goes on, and it was kind of puzzling to me that in, in uh, the latter part, of chapter 13 he talks to them about putting on christ so he wants to he he, he admonishes them regarding uh, dealing with issue being submitted to authority and uh, verse one says let every soul be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from god and the authorities that exist are appointed by god and he goes in there and he explains natural authority he he if they would have had cars like we have today, he would have said, "If you speed, you're going to get a ticket. That's from God, reminding you to obey the laws. If you talk on your phone while you're driving, Sam, they're going to give you a ticket." And, and those kinds of things. that the, the civil authority, all authority somebody say all authority. all authority. all authority comes from God. Anyone who has authority, their authority derives from the supreme authority so he explains to them in this passage to be subject to their authorities and it was it was to help them understand that you in order for you to have authority you have to be under authority This is the challenge of becoming a part of the local church and coming under spiritual authority. There are a lot of folks out there in the earth who love Jesus and who want to walk with God, but they don't particularly want to participate in the body of Christ the way that Christ established his church. And the trouble with that is that in order for you to have authority in God, you've got to be under authority. So it's, for instance, Benjamin and Pam this morning are ministering in Tracy, at a church in Tracy, and those folks need encouragement, and they need strength in that little church, and that pastor's heart is toward the Lord, and, and, and so every once in a while they reach out and they bring someone in for encouragement, and they have this wonderful relationship with Benjamin and Pam, and there's the, the church in Sacramento calls them continually, and, and then this church in Tracy, and they're ministering there in Tracy this morning, and, and we have laid hands on them, and blessed them and, uh, and anointed them as, men, uh, as a man and woman of God to go in our authority. And when they go and they are poured out in that place, we, we remind, constantly remind them, I constantly tell Benjamin, don't forget that when you go, living water is poured out wherever you go because everything will live where the river flows. And so he understands that we're partnered together and he goes under not only the authority of Jesus Christ, but he goes under the authority of this house. And so their anointing is expanded and increased because they go under authority. Are you with me? That's what that is about. It literally increases your anointing. So charity, as part of Church of Living Water, when you take those cards I'm going to give you and you share with people the love of Jesus and you invite them to this house, you go under the authority of Church of Living Water because you are submitted to the spiritual authority that is over you in this house. That's what he was trying to help them understand. In order for you to have authority, you must be under authority. Everybody, I, I remember when I worked for the government and they told me to go collect taxes. How come tax collectors end up preachers? It's just really strange. But they, but they tell you, to, would tell me to go collect taxes. They gave me this this thing they called a commission. And I was to go and knock on their door. And when I opened their door, they weren't looking at me. They were looking at my identification, my commission from the government. And the government called it a commission because they said, we are commissioning you to go under the authority of the government and say, Internal Revenue Service is here to speak with you. Yeah. (laughs) It wasn't my authority. If I went today and knocked on someone's door and said, I'm here to collect their taxes, they're going to say, who are you? <laughs> and then the government would say, what are you doing out? You don't have a commission from us any longer, right? That's why it's against the law to impersonate an officer of the law. Because you're not under their authority. So as long as you're not under their authority, you have no authority where they're concerned. So the Apostle Paul is spelling this out so that mature believers will understand that in order for you to have authority, you must be under authority. That's why there were men in the Bible who went and tried to cast out devils and the devil say to them, I know Paul and I know Jesus, but who are you? And if you read that funny story... Instead of the devils coming out, they just whooped up on them, stripped their clothes off, and those guys ran away naked (laughs) because they tried to do something under authority that they were not, by the authority that they were not under and submitted to. Are you with me? So that's what all of those first seven verses will do for you if you'll get into the depth of that and study authority in the Word of God. It'll lead you all over the place in, in several books. And then he goes on in, in Romans 13, 8, and he says, he begins to talk about the issue of love. Don't get lost in this. Uh, in, in Romans 13, 8, he says, "Oh no man anything except to love one another. Oh no man, oh, hmm. Uh, you need to hear that again. Owe no one anything except to love one another. That's not really a statement about being in debt or not. That's a statement about being manipulated in relationships or having pure relationships. Owe no man anything except to love them. Your assignment from God, in terms of your relationships with the people around you, is not to particularly meet their expectations. How many have someone who has unrealistic expectations of you? Don't, don't raise your hand. Just think about them. Think about them. There's somebody in your life, I'm sure, who their expectation of you is somehow unrealistic in relationship to what you are able to produce. You ever had anybody in your life like that? They just expect things out of you. You just have no way of responding to. But the scripture says, you, so you know what you have? You have a responsibility to that person to love them. Are you with me? You have a responsibility to that person to love them, to express the love heart of God. So he goes in here and he says, don't owe, don't owe people anything uh, except to love them. You have a love debt. You have a love debt. Jesus loved you enough to go to the cross and to die for you and to come and cause his spirit to dwell in you. And out of that is produced a debt of, of love that you have to one another. So he says, oh, no man, anything uh, except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Remember, Jesus was asked about the commandments, and he said that there's two commandments, really. There's two issues under the law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, if you'll do these these two things, you you will fulfill the whole spirit of the law. Everything that God ever commanded you to do, you can accomplish in two things love God, love people. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. You will fulfill the entire spirit of the law. All of that Old Testament, everything in there, every law that God ever gave them, every instruction that He ever gave them, everything that He ever asked them to do is motivated out of a love heart of God. And if you'll love God and love one another, you'll fulfill it all. Isn't that wonderful? I love that. That makes it easy. Even simple-minded guys can get that. So he says, you fulfill the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you will not covet. You realize how if you were loving people, you would never do any of those things? If there's any other commandment, they're all summed up in this saying, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does not harm. Love does not harm a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Then he goes on and he says, I just want you to ponder this for a few minutes. He goes on into Romans uh, 13, uh, 11, and he begins to talk about putting on Christ. And I want you to understand something as we look at this. He's not changing the subject. Sometimes the way that the, the, your Bible is broken down and, and the way that the uh, those who, who set this up with chapters and verses, sometimes they just put a split in the verses in the most awkward places. But he's not changing the subject here. He says the whole law is fulfilled with love and do this knowing, do this with this urgency in mind. Do this knowing that the time is nigh. Uh, 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 the time or it is now it is high time to awake out of sleep what does that mean i want you to love one another i want you to pour your love out on each other i want you to love one another and i want you to do this knowing that now it is high time to awake out of sleep for our salvation is nearer than when we first believed That the fulfillment of all things, the accomplishment of why God set all this up in the first place and the the fulfillment of the word of God is closer now than ever. Well, if he thought it was then, how many understand that 2,000 years later we ought to be saying it's closer now than ever. Jesus is coming again. He that shall come will come and will not tarry. So the fulfillment of all things is at hand The night is far spent and the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness and not in lewdness and lust and not in envy and strife. Boy, there are some people that would absolutely freak out if their life, if those things would get dropped out of their life. Envy and and strife utter frustration do you know there are people around you I get aware of this in prayer Lord I get so aware of this sometimes on Sunday morning in that nine o'clock prayer time when we're all in there together it becomes clearly it becomes so I, I become acutely aware that there are some folks who live in such utter frustration in their daily life that if they happen to come into church it might be the only time that they feel loved It might be the only time that they get a pure embrace from somebody. That somebody shakes their hand and smiles in their face and says, God bless you. Sometimes you never know how utterly important that moment of God bless you really is. You might be the only avenue of refreshing for their entire week. So he says... Cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light and let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness and lewdness and lust and strife and envy. But put, oh, you know what? Just a second right here. I just hear the Holy Spirit saying this. Lord, there is someone here whose life is a life of strife. And I ask the Holy Spirit right now to go into that situation and to bring freedom from strife. Daily life is full of strife. And the, Lord, Lord, the word is encouraging them, encouraging them now to find a way to navigate by the Spirit of God through this situation and be free from strife in Jesus' name. The way that you do that, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its desires. Oh, Lord Jesus, how do we go on from there? It's interesting to me that in the framework of this particular chapter in Romans, he says, I want you to understand authority. I want you to get submitted appropriately to authority. And then I want you to, in that authority, with that understanding of authority, I want you to begin to love your neighbor. If you're going to do that successfully, you're going to have to put on Christ. You're going to have to to live like Jesus. You're going to have to look like Jesus. You're going to have to begin to act like Jesus and think like Jesus in the earth. If you're going to appropriately, the only way to appropriately love the people around you is to put on Christ. Are you here? And then he goes on, and obviously we can't go through... From, that, from this point on, chapter 14 and verse 1, all the way through chapter 15 and verse 6, the only thing he talks about is relationships. From that point on. Everything in there is about how we as believers are to relate to each other and relate to one another and prefer one another and help one another in our walk with God. Put on Christ and then help one another walk with God. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that awesome? Listen to what he says. I I just want to share just a few highlights from that. He, he says in the beginning of chapter 14, can we go kind of quickly through some of this? He says in the beginning of chapter 14, uh, the first eight verses, he, he teaches them not to be, not to become involved with each other in arguments over non-essential issues. You know, you go to some churches and they just want to argue the point. You get around some believers and they just want to argue the point. It doesn't matter what point, they just want to argue it. And he says, refrain from putting yourself in situations in terms of relationships between believers, uh, of argumentative circumstances. If you know somebody that wants to argue the point of Scripture, just point them to Jesus. Let's just just act like Jesus. Let's just walk like Jesus. Let's just just behave like him. Let's think like him. Let's not argue the point. So he says to uh, not dispute over non-essential issues. We're gathered under the banner of Jesus Christ. Some of y'all have a different opinion about some things than I have. Do you know we're not going to run each other through with a sword over that stuff? Come on. Are you here? We're going to love one another. So in those first eight verses, he says for us not to, to judge each other or pick on each other. Not, it's really not to pick at each other about non-essential stuff. To the Jews, it was, oh, you shouldn't eat pork. Get out the way of my ham. <laughs> <laughs> Who said that? What? Said, Leave, my bacon. Leave my bacon alone. And so he says, if one wants to eat and they're eating in faith, leave them alone. If another abstains and they're abstaining in faith, leave them alone. I'm a vegetarian. I'm abstaining in faith. Leave me alone. Although I will have a piece of shrimp now and then. (laughs) So he says not to make arguments over non-essential issues. You got that? He says, on these issues, each person will stand alone before God. So let each one be convinced in his own mind of what is right for him. In other words, on issues that are not issues of doctrine, but they are issues of opinion, then each person must stand before God. You want to know the reality of that? I'm going to tell you the reality of that. The reality of that is this. Whenever the Lord began to deal with me about how I should be taking care of my body and about the kinds of things that I should be taking in, and the kinds of things that I should be eating, how many understands he made me, so he knows what works for me, right? So if I disobey him in that, then whenever I stand before the, him, he's going to say, Anthony, I told you that that was not good for you but there's another, uh, other individuals who he deals with differently on issues like that and, and uh, they go stand before him and, and he's not going to be on them at all about they didn't do what I did. So, if you want to eat try tip God bless you. You know. Amen. Who said thank you so much? <laughs> on... These issues that are not doctrinal or or biblical issues relating to things that the scripture tells us to do or not to do, you have to stand before God on those issues. And there are some things that God asks of me because of my position of responsibility in the kingdom and because of what he has called me to do. There's things he's asked of me that he's not asking of you. And there's things that he's asking of you, depending on the circles that he has you in and the people he has you laboring among, that he's not asking of me. That's why when you're raising your children, you know some folks they they uh, have uh, really strong guidelines about what they what they what we do. We have really strong guidelines about what we let our kids watch on TV and what we don't. And then other families they may be le- not quite as uh, as firm on those issues, but they have issues about what they let their kids read or or so on. And all of those issues, those are things parents that you have to get before the Lord, and you have to decide what is what is right and what is righteous and what is representative about what God is trying to achieve in your life. and you need to enforce those things and you need to not worry about what anybody else thinks about it. Don't let people intimidate you into dropping the standard that the Holy Spirit has asked you to raise in the environment that you are setting in your house. Raise the standard. That's what that's all about. So then he begins to tell us to love one another. And he says, the one thing I want you to be aware of in verse, uh, I think, chapter 14, verse 13 through 17. We're going to end with this. Okay, 12. 14, 12. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. Do you know what he's telling you if you go in there and you read in verse 14 uh, chapter 14 he tells you to prefer your brother or sister in Christ. So Do you know my wife and I have a policy about going to the show we don't go to R-rated movies. I don't care what kind of R-rated movies they are. We don't go to them. Well, Passion for Christ, everybody see Passion for Christ? You know why that was an R-rated movie? You know why that was an R-rated movie? Because Jesus took such a beating that they couldn't show without rating it R the reality of what he went through for you. But we don't go to the theater and watch an R-rated movie. You raise the standard in your life. Do you know why, why, why we don't do that? Some, some movies, they'll tell you, well, that's, that's rated R because of, of language or that's rated R because of this or that. Or there's some non-essential thing. It just happened to fall in that category because there are some individuals who walk with Jesus that would stumble or be offended if they saw their pastor going into an R-rated movie. So the Lord says, Anthony, raise that standard because the level of leadership I've called you to, this is what you have to do. And we're realizing that most of them that are PG-13 aren't worth going to. And so we're very careful about those kinds of issues. He says, I want you to consider what you do, not for your own good, listen, body of Christ, I'm talking to you now, as a pastor he wants you to dis- determine what's right or wrong for you in light of how it will affect somebody else i'm telling you it is so immature in the body of christ for us to, to decide that oh god doesn't care if i do this or god doesn't care if i go there or he doesn't he doesn't have a problem with me if i do this that or the other thing well it's not you we're concerned about you're in you're in You've said yes to Jesus. He ain't trying to get you in. You're in. But there's some folks that need to get in. And the apostle said, Listen, brothers and sisters, your epistles read of men. They're reading your life. They're looking at you. So he says, Don't let anything happen. Don't let anything go on in your life that would cause somebody else to stumble. Love God enough that your life will not be a stumbling block to somebody else. You're like, oh my God, I've had to worry about me this long, and now I've got to worry about somebody else. (laughs) Yes, you do. You do. You absolutely do. We're the body of Christ. We're called to spur one another on to good works. We're called that our life would encourage and build up one another. So he says, don't do anything, body of Christ. Don't do anything, people who love Jesus. Don't do anything. Just resolve this. He says, don't you love that word in in verse 13? Resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in your brother's way. I'm gonna tell you right now. Y'all saw me walking down... The street by Sierra Vista Mall, and I was smoking a cigarette. Wouldn't that cause some folks to stumble? Wouldn't they be- cause my wife to stumble? OK. Listen, I know that there are individuals who love Jesus, think nothing about it. In fact, Charles Spurgeon smoked a cigar. Most, most smoked a pipe. Most of those old preachers, in their culture, it was just culturally acceptable. And there are some things that, that it's not an issue between you and God, but it's just culturally not the right thing to do because it will, it will knock someone over. You will never see me sitting at a table ordering up a margarita because it's not, it's, it's not going to encourage my brothers and sisters in Christ. If, if, I'm, if I'm sitting down with alcoholics and I'm telling them you can be free, then I'm not going to go order it. They need to be free from it. It's destroying their life. And if it's destroying their life, then I've got to raise a standard in my own to help them along. Come on, brothers and sisters. We can walk free from this stuff. I'm not throwing a stone at you if you go out and you have a glass of wine with dinner. That's not what this issue is about. This issue is about somebody's watching my life and I'm not going to make them stumble if I can at all help it. So he's telling us to love each other at that level. Love somebody more than you love yourself. Let's love at that level. As we come to maturity, I didn't know I was going to hit this point this hard this morning, but I hear the Holy Spirit challenging you, Church of Living Water. Let's come up to a new level. Let's begin to love one another at a level that we can help each other walk with God and that we're not sitting there going, oh, is this right? Is this wrong? Is that right? Is this wrong? No, let's just help one another walk with Jesus and not be trying to, not be doing things that cause one another to stumble. Let's lift up the banner of Jesus and let's encourage one another along. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that freeing? Isn't that delightful? God, give us the ability within this body to take up the challenge of this word to live at a new level of faith that causes us to think like people that are helping someone else. Oh, that this would be the house that's known for lifting up the hands that hang down, for strengthening the feeble knees, for helping someone to walk successfully with Jesus. Let's, let's stand together. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I wish you could get more out of it. There's so much more in there about how we all ought to relate to one another. There's just this great anointing that's coming to the body of Christ of which we can receive and be a part. If we will walk, if we'll press, 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 press toward the prize, the high calling, the maturing process of the believer. Oh, Lord, do that. Oh, God, I impart that now in the mighty name of Jesus. Heart that now. Prayer teams, would you come? Those of you that are assigned, quickly. Rostere de I hear the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to just raise a challenge here as we're dismissed. You hear the call of the Spirit of God in your heart to come to deeper places in your relationship with Jesus, to come to to places of deeper maturity, to walk in deep, deep places with Him. That's what this whole month is going to be about that's ahead of us, is is coming into deeper places with God and, and, and maturing as believers. Advancing steadily. Would you come to prayer team this morning and would you just say to them, I want want God to open my spiritual ear and open my understanding that where He wants to take me into deeper relationship with Him and allow me to come to new places of maturity in Him that as pastors preach for the last 13 weeks about coming to places of maturity that are expressed in the book of Romans, I want to come. I want somehow to express to God a willing heart to come in the mighty name of Jesus. Just come and share with them your heart and they'll pray with you and they'll stand with you and they'll believe with you. Of course, if you're here and you've got any other need, if you're sick, if you're struggling in any way, the prayer teams are here to stand with you and to believe with you, all right? Lift up your hands. I'm going to pray a blessing over you as we go from this place. Father, we bless your people in the name of the Lord. God, we exalt you in this house and in this moment. And we pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would move among these wonderful people. Father, I pray that you bless them uh, in all that they set their hand to do this week. Father, bless them on the right. Bless them on the left. Bless them before and behind them. Bless them rising up and lying down. Bless them going in and going out. Let everything that they set their hand to be blessed. And God, that thing that you dream to do in them, let it be done in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you greet and bless one another in the name of the Lord.